guys. Welcome to Bedroom Beethoven's episode number 28, the podcast where I use storytelling to find the root causes of creativity. When you think of creativity, you might conjure up images of Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa or of a writer spending long hours agonizing, finding the right words. But what about music? And who is the best people in music to chat with regarding that? That's right, producers. So next up on deck is Corden Jocks. Real name is Jordan Cox, and he is a lo-fi hip-hop beat maker. Or a producer. You know what? It, times are funny now because people get up in arms referring to people as either or, but I think you know what I mean. He's a young guy crafting tunes, trudging through college, making his way, and we're going to get into the weeds on how his mind works. So please join me for the ride. And hey, do me a solid. Head on over to iTunes and throw me a five-star review. I say it every episode because it's, it's, it's a real small and quick way to show your support for the podcast. BedroomBeethovens.com as well, and there you'll find all the good stuff like episodes, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. We up on social, but I'm your face vocal, so hear these conversations and let me mold you. Ooh, your boy got bars. Just kidding, I apologize. Look, let's pretend that never happened and get straight into the show. BedroomBeethovens.com slash Patreon. Head on over there and throw some ducats my way, and in turn, you support the show, and I'll give you some bonus items and special tidbits. I am your host, Cello, and yo, Lamont Landers Band, tell the good people what podcast this is. It's the Bedroom Beethoven Podcast. This is a tricky podcast because typically producers find satisfaction of effectively communicating to people without words via music. So yeah. me asking you to communicate with words, you know, so th- thanks for pivoting a bit and joining me for this chat. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you. I'm curious, you know, you're a relatively young guy. How long have you have you been doing music? Um, yeah, started in the sixth grade with baritone and then my mom decided I was too small to do that. So I ended up doing trumpet then, and then pretty much like trumpet. And I think one thing was Guitar Hero. That's one thing that really turned me on the music and everything. So like doing that really broadened my horizon as far as like what genres to listen to and everything. I started out with hip hop, just listening to Ray hip hop with my dad. Anytime we'd be riding in the car or anything like that. And then playing Guitar Hero on PlayStation 2 at the mall in like the sixth grade for me was just mind-blowing hearing like different sounds and everything like that and since then i just really liked music i guess it was the hobby for me throughout high school just listening to it all the time like exploring different avenues as far as creating it i did a rock band like right after high school i played in two actually and on little rock where i'm from started producing about a year ago so I think like, yeah, I was about to say if you were a guy in the hip hop, but then you resonated with Guitar Hero. I don't remember too much hip hop and Guitar Hero. Yeah, I don't know what it was. It was just like hearing things more full. Like I think the first two songs that really resonated with me were Hard Shed Box by Nirvana 
ever long by the Foo Fighters. Like, just, I don't know why, those two songs really just spoke to me, like, musically, as far as, like, chord structure and everything. Everlong is one of my favorite tracks of all time. Foo Fighters is my favorite rock band of all time. The only thing I'll ever ask of you, you gotta promise not to stop when I say when. Most definitely. They're, they're my first cut, actually. And I saw them with Motorhead. I think I was like, maybe 15 16 and it was just awesome it was in a huge arena and everything they put on a great show yeah we have a lot of discussions about how people get attached to music as a kid because it's it's rare that a young person is going to get hip to something after the fact like if you're a if you're a 14 year old kid like right now and you're bumping illmatic that's that's like me listening to like sugar hill gang it just it wasn't it wasn't really happening so yeah playing video games and rummaging through my dad's cassettes or playing dance dance revolution was a lot of people's gateway to music as a kid it's not unusual yeah most definitely like i don't know it's just music is like given to you in so many different ways like video games soundtracks and stuff like that like I don't know why. I guess the Tony Hawk games, Burnout Revenge, too. That was one song that had just a ton of like punky alternative emo songs that I ended up really liking. Even the FIFA soundtracks or the soundtrack that come out like now, they're really, really good. You can just dig through and find all kinds of artists on it. Yeah, I, I interviewed, I think it was like episode uh, eight or nine with this producer named Patrick Pryor, and he produced a track for Rick Wilson, and Xbox called Rick Wilson was like, hey, we want to use your track on the new Forza game, and called up Patrick and was like, hey, is it, is it cool if, if, you know, this song, he was like, are you kidding me? Like, we're, on, we're in a video game. Yes. A hundred times yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, most definitely. I love that, honestly. Yeah, and you know, for me, it's like if I ever listen to like Dragon Forces through the fire and the flames, I get anxiety because I remember me and my me and my boys are trying to five star it, and our hands were hurting, and I'm like, man, we're we're spending so much time on this. We could be learning how to play real guitar. What, why are we playing this for 300 hours? I can only do it in practice mode. That was the only. Way yeah. I, could do it. <laughs> so I had to find some way to play through that whole song, so that was the way. <laughs> Well, like you, you know, I played trumpet and marching band as well. So up until age 13, we're, we were probably on the same level musically, but obviously you pulled ahead. But marching bands, uh, they attain the same high quality of performance expected of concert bands and tone, quality, uh, intonation, technical precision and balance. And it, it gets a bad rep like it's nerdy, but it's like a great football player who takes ballet to help him. I, I didn't find inspiration, though. Did, you, did, did marching band have an impact on you or was you just going through the motions in high school? Oh, no, most definitely. As soon as, well, we started out in sixth grade just playing, like, all trumpets, you know, we're all in the class together and everything. We're learning that beginning instrument. But when we got to, I think, like, seventh or eighth grade, and I sat down in, like, concert band or, like, just all different parts, you know, different instruments, different voices, registers, like, all coming together, it was just, like, a awakening, you know, like, whoa, like, hearing all of that come together. And I think... That's honestly one thing that got me into producing, like being able to get all those sounds and put them together rather than me just being a part. Like when I played in the rock band, I was just guitar. But, you know, like coming together with a bunch of other musicians, it's pretty cool. Yeah, for me, it was segregated hard. Like the cool kids played 
trumpet and percussion. The hot girls played the clarinet. The nerds played French horn and flute. Oh, yeah. The the big black kids played tuba and baritone. And the nerds who didn't care that they were <laughs> oh. nerds, they played saxophone. And I remember trombone was the same, but there was always that one cool kid to play trombone, and that kind of like validated the rest. And then like yes. color guard and, and <laughs> choir was separate. That's how I remember it. Like the yeah, yeah those I mean, bad high school definitely. days. <laughs> <laughs> the stereotypes, they're all true, honestly. I, I guess I had to ask, because you, you brought your your mom into the conversation very early. Is, is, is music something that your mother cultivated as a young kid, or was it considered like just noise in the house? Because sometimes it's hard for parents to recognize music as a creative outlet for their kids. And not, not everybody hears a Beatles album at two years old and realizes, hey, this is what I want to do forever. You know, So what was the relationship between yourself and music growing up really it was just always around like my mom she'd be singing songs around the house we'd always go on road trips to visit family which was like two or three hours away and my dad had these um tapes that he met like all michael jackson songs like all like soul like 60 70 songs just hearing those all the time like i started just developing like i don't know love for just like that kind of rhythm and everything really resonated with me because I didn't have anything else really through high school like that kept me busy like I know a lot of people getting the sports like that and everything but I just ghosted through school pretty much and choose music as a I guess just avenue that was the only thing I really cared about hmm, that's interesting because like I I have a I have a four-year-old daughter and it's it's like every time we get in the car I put on music and then I wonder like Maybe if you went on those road trips and your dad never put in those tapes, or maybe if your mom didn't sing around the house, music wouldn't even have been a part of your reality. And it's kind of crazy when you start thinking like that. There's even a song that I sampled that was on, I think it got on Inner Oceans and latest tape that they put out, or not, no, The Futures. And that was just a song that my mom used to sing all the time. Like, and I just heard that in my head one day and decided to find the phone. And I liked it and it just worked. And did that have an influence on, you know, high school's done, now you're in college and you have to decide on a major. And it was, it was musically related. Well, actually, I started out as a music ed major in college and I did trumpet and heavy, just music, everything. So I went to community college for two years and got an associate's degree. So when I got to a four year, I was doing all like music classes and that's it. And I would have to drag myself to the practice room because I was under, well, I was studying under a trumpet professor that was ex Marine band. So he played like for the Trump, for the president, like all the time. He was just like really, really strict. So I think that kind of affected the way that music and it became less of a hobby and more of just like a chore and everything. And ended up switching majors, but I still do music, thankfully. I didn't give it up just because of having to study it. And that like kind of ruin it as an art form. But isn't isn't the the studying I, I guess how I want to word this question is formal education is very important, but I guess if it stops if it gets in the way of you enjoying something, now you're at a fork in the road. Do it do I do I put up with this to become a better musician fundamentally, or this is gonna kill the joy that I found in this thing from the get-go. So I'm gonna try something else and make it more fun. So there's obviously you made a decision and hopefully there were, there was no regrets. I did the right thing. I think for myself, honestly, I probably wouldn't be producing or anything like that if I hadn't quit that. Cause I'd be just doing trumpet stuff all the time and focusing on being a better player, which is, there's nothing wrong, wrong with that, but I don't know. It was just, I wanted something different in music rather than 
just studying and mastering like trumpet because it'd be cool to live off that but i don't know just i like the overall sense rather than just focusing on one thing so you moved away from music education and what are you studying right now now i'm doing public relations and marketing i think it's definitely helped me out as an artist to be able to like use strategies to promote my music the way i present myself like branding and all that kind of stuff so i don't really want to well, I've never thought to focus on music and make that my career, but I think studying PR and maybe if my music gets good enough and big enough and everything, then I'll be able to maybe use it and use my own skills that I'm learning. Yeah, well, let's talk about that because your latest EP, you described it as your latest body of work, which shows the current level of your talents. And with most things, the longer you do something, the better you get at it. The only problem is, is the work that you pour your heart into isn't yours alone. And when you share your work with other people, you're inviting them to pour their emotions into it as well. And it's not always favorable. So yes, I understand that your only hope is to improve as you continue, but some say Nas's best album is the one he did 25 years ago. That could be a hard pill to swallow. Like even like Chance's album that just came out and I've been searching through social media and seeing what people are saying about it. Like I've seen a lot just a lot of bad reviews and it's scary just putting yourself out there and like especially with lo-fi hip-hop or just beats in general you're not saying anything these are all musical ideas and hopefully people resonate with those ideas that you put out it's it's kind of scary but i guess i've been doing music for long enough that i feel somewhat comfortable with it whether it's constructive criticism people just not liking it something that I want to do and I'm proud of it so I guess that's all that really matters at the end of the day what'd you think of Chance's album? I've listened to a couple tracks there's a few it's not as bad as people are saying I don't think and it's just it's just another version of him you know I think his older stuff was a lot better it's two tapes but I don't know as an artist it's hard it sucks too just to see what people are saying but I didn't think it was as bad as people are saying I don't, I don't have a problem criticizing the album because the, the reason why I think it's bad is because of all of his success. If he, he just got married, he was in like Lion King, he's like larger than life, uh, I think your music's going to suffer for it. Yeah, that's a scary thing. He definitely built himself up and he had so much success at the beginning. And I don't know if he's maybe didn't know what to do with it or what. I don't know. It's scary. <laughs> when I first started out, really, I didn't use any sample, and I think my music kind of showed that. Like, I honestly would say that wasn't my best. Just creating those own ideas that sampling can give you, like using other people's stuff like that, and them already having established sounds and everything. But I think it's given me a sense in bettering my composition and just listening to other producers and see how they use it. As far as just using stuff, though, I play trumpet also and guitar. And I actually bought like a little egg shaker thing that I've been using lately. Just anything I can get my hands on, really, that can make a decent sound with compression and EQ. I guess because you're a young guy, is it an uphill battle trying to incorporate all that, prove yourself? Is it an uphill battle trying to earn the respect of the older producers who underestimate a lot of these younger producers' abilities? Like nobody discredits what the pioneers did, but they seem to be hesitant to pass the torch. Do you ignore it or does it irk you? Is it frustrating? Oh, man, <laughs> that's a question. That's been weighing in a lot lately. I think I've seen it on Twitter. 
um, just producers battling each other, like old generation versus new generation. And me as a beat maker, I'm not going to lie, I didn't start out listening to much of any of the like gods of this genre or anything. Like I just dove in straight to what like, Chilla Hopper was doing, Inner Ocean, like younger guys, people my age, honestly. And then diving deeper into them, I saw what they were listening to and who they got their, I guess, ideas and stuff from. And, you know, I've just slowly made, made my way back. I think it is a little bit harder for the older generation to pass the torch, but that's just, that happens all the time, you know? It's just another way. So you, like, you don't have to say, hey, you know, Mad Lib is the greatest because he put in his time. It's more like, hey, I didn't listen to Mad Lib growing up. So, I mean, he, 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 he's great. But my inspiration and the, and the people that I hold dear are the people that I listen to, and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you put it a lot better than me. Just it's just a different era. Like we're doing things completely different. We're sampling from YouTube. They sampled from vinyl crate digging, and I would love to be able to do that if I had the money to you know buy that kind of stuff and everything, and constantly buy vinyl and the equipment to rip straight from and everything. But YouTube's accessible for me, you know, it's accessible for us, for our generation. And this was the easiest way for us to do it. So that's how we do it, I guess. So what, you find a video on YouTube that you like, and then you can sample it straight from that source? Um, well, depending on the copyright, um, that the person that uploaded the video, there's ways that they can establish what song, what audio they use in the video and everything. And I guess with certain MP3 encodings, you're able to just rip straight from that, like the URL of the website, like which could be YouTube or anywhere you're actually viewing that video. And there's sites that will convert that audio and just give you that. You just upload that straight into your your DAW, and it works. Oh, is that common knowledge? I didn't know that. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like that's a way I've learned how to do it. So, and that's me from a new school, I guess, whatever, you know, because I don't know, which is, it's probably illegal. Don't do that. (laughs) It's definitely not the right way to do it because my computer's definitely been popping up some random windows of just ads. And I'm like, this is definitely for me. (laughs) Nothing bad yet. (laughs) Well, your beats, I mean, label them how you want. Lo-fi, boom, bap, instrumental. The fact is it shares a bloodline with hip hop, but you don't listen to hip hop anymore, right? Really? If you look at my Spotify right now, you will see all beats. That's it. And it's not even really, when I think of hip hop, it's not what's on the radio, but I guess since I've delved into this, this is it. Like, this is hip-hop for me. Well, I mean, what hip-hop artists would you like to work with? And, and maybe not the low-hanging fruit, like Q-Tip or yeah. Nas or Doom, but maybe someone surprising like Twister or something. Like, imagine fast raps over a lo-fi beat. Never been done. You know, do you ever give any thought to, like, maybe if I was going to sell a beat to somebody, who would, who would I want to work with? You know what? That's very interesting. But I would easily have to say Tyler. Take it back to them date, counting sheep on say they hand a float. Carpet with my baby mama, ate a dollar profit from the coffee I poke. 
rent a center, call a near day. Nobody only knocking on the door. Tyler Fury, I love his production, production in general. And I feel like he's kind of touched on like lo fi elements at least, like a little bit with the vintage electric, electric piano sounds that he uses and stuff. Um, but yeah, Tyler would be awesome. Run it, run it. Run it. I like that. I mean, you do a good job of thinking of your audience rather than a genre, and then try and satisfy their their fundamental needs. So I think that would that oh, would yeah, mesh really so. well. I hope so. I'd love to do that. Another thing that I wanted to touch on is creative ruts. You know, if you're in a creative rut, is it is it linked to personal stuff, or sometimes like, hey man, life feels good, but sometimes the work ain't oh, there. Man. Honestly, the past month has been kind of a rut for me. I've been trying to like every day just sit in front of my MIDI and my sample pad and everything and just come up with something at least. But I think it definitely has to do with personal stuff. Just me being 24 years old, still in college, trying to pay for a house, just working all the time, finding the time to still do this and everything. It definitely wears on me sometimes. Like when things get, you know, you're not working as much, um, money gets tight. It can definitely affect just anything, including creativity lows the only way to to get out of it i mean i guess is by producing something you're happy with because the bills are always going to be there and you know the relationship problems are always going to be there so i guess that's tricky but maybe you know what maybe it's similar to photography like if i grab my camera and i decide to walk around the city my knee-jerk reaction is to look for something to jump at me when instead you can just use your surroundings one thing i do whenever i produce i always try to get like some sense of just looking out and seeing like things for what they are. Like my studio is set up right by a window and I always just like looking out and just drawing inspiration from, you know, just what's around me. And I think that helps out a lot. Just environment going out to different places. Like since I just use a laptop, a MIDI keyboard and a sample pad, I can just take it anywhere I go. Pretty much. I go to coffee shops, any place that has like a table to work with pretty much. And just different scenery. That helps out a lot. I see you retweeting like a lot of Trump stuff. I see your lovely and supportive girlfriend is is retweeting stuff about Emmett Till or white people calling black people the N word. Mm-hmm. This is obviously an important topic for both <laughs> of you guys. Now I bring this up because making music is good for your health. All right. But caring about what others think is bad. Mm-hmm. No matter what we do to fix the culture, it's already been damaged by destroying the social scene most fan bases could build upon. The problem can easily be solved if it was about music rather than likes or hits. You know, are you running into any mental or physical roadblocks in regards to society and music? Because it seems like you and your girlfriend are very conscientious people. You're, you're in an interracial union, uh, whether it's LGBT or it's discriminatory. I, I see you guys trying to fight the good fight. <laughs> I'm glad it's the good fight. Well, actually, this past semester, I had to take a course that had me subscribe to three different newsletters. So I was getting like the top headlines every single day because we take these tests on them, like just keeping up with current events. And that was around the time, you know, like big things were happening with Trump and this, the Mueller case and everything. And so me constantly getting that just every day, I think that put a pretty good pounding on just my perception of society at the time and 
I definitely felt overwhelmed quite a bit at times of just constantly seeing the worst things happening because that's all the news is going to report. I think I've grown as a person to be able to see things for what they are and realize that we're not always going to win. There's always going to be, you know, balance. There has to be balance for us to know what's good and know what's bad. So it's just fighting the right battles, I guess, like doing what you can. Yeah, yeah. And then you're, you're so right about the news only reporting the bad stuff. Uh, yesterday, the whole, or are you hip to the whole Baltimore remarks that he made yesterday? Most definitely. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how much longer I can take. <laughs> and it's just like the, the, good, the good news that I see are just like uh, squirrels jet skiing or memes. And then it's like right back to the bad stuff. Yes, <laughs> so true. It's like, Memes have become the only thing that's good for the internet now, I guess. Because, I mean, you learn that like anything that's newsworthy is going to be conflict. Anything that's going to really want you to stop and read it, because things are just coming at us so fast now. You know, where attention spans are so short. It's just whatever it can catch us. That's what news is going to put out. Man, you're so right. Yeah. And then, you know, I also wanted to talk about which is something that lends to your maturity. You played your first show recently. I wanted to talk about nerves. You know, we'll put the news aside because the difference slash maturity in your playing with with the experience you've gained is by playing life. You know, if I run the question by most people about how their first show went, at some point they're going to realize that their first show wasn't actually about having fun playing live because they were just suffering through this adrenaline filled stress reaction the whole time, or your nerves are so shot. It can be like watching someone else play your instrument for you. Were you just cool, calm, collected? I got this. Or did you experience some of that? I was, I was cool. I think I was calm but maybe not collect <laughs> Everything set up, had everything going good. On my sample pad, I have a, you know, I have everything mapped out. I have like play, up and down the track, stop, record, everything like that. But one of my sample pads is right by the stop button actually. And in the middle of my last song, I accidentally hit it and it just, Everything got quiet for a second. I was like, oh, goodness. Ended <laughs> <laughs> up having to um, reach back to my um, laptop and press spacebar to get it back playing. And then I realized it was out of sync with like my samples and everything loaded on my pad. So it was a little shock right there. But I'd say overall, it was pretty good. I was playing on a table at that time that was very low to the ground, so I was kind of having to bend over, and I think that didn't help me out as far as confidence, having to lean over and not seeing how people are actually reacting to what I'm playing. And so since then, I fixed that. Like with the few shows I played after, I just made sure to try to like take something from that and just, all right, how am I gonna make this better? What can I add to this to make this more exciting? You know, so stuff like that. So it wasn't, it wasn't more about like playing to a group of people. It was more like, hey, get my the height of my table right. Make me feel comfortable. Get my, my setup and my switches right so I can play better for you. I mean, Arkansas <laughs> probably doesn't see a lot of lo-fi acts. Um, I imagine promoters or club owners, uh, you know, maybe they respect your craft. Maybe they don't. There's probably a lot of show and prove. 
oh yeah, it's it's tough around here to book, to even get in contact with anyone. I've sent so many messages out to just any place like coffee shops, restaurants, you know, anywhere to play because with it being lo-fi in this climate, it's it's kind of people just kind of wonder like, what are you trying to do exactly? Because it's not as entertaining as they want it to be, I guess, in a way. And I totally understand that with it being just instrumental music, you know. But I don't know. It's just trying to find the right places to fit into. I think coffee shops are a good space. I played at a venue here, you know, did those sound guys. It can be kind of rough depending on what they, how they feel about your set and what they think you're about to do. Because I played at the same venue twice, actually, and there's two different sound guys. The first guy, um, I usually just go straight through, um, straight through an eighth, I guess, with my laptop input, not using an audio interface or anything. And he had the quarter to an eighth converter. And then I played there a month later, and that sound guy is just like, I can name five venues that won't have that exact same thing, not knowing that the other sound guy that works at the exact same venue had it. You know, I guess he had just brought it with him, which is a good thing. But that's made me definitely want to go buy that input or that converter and everything. It's just trying to find where you fit in, basically. Well, I guess it's hard because lo-fi struggles with with that because the genre is so broad. You know, if you sample jazz, modern music, video games, a signature sound defies genre. So what is it about your music, no matter what track you're working on that is yours, there's something that holds it together? I'd say just the chord structure. There's like certain chords that really strike me, like major sevens, for instance, like you'll always hear certain progressions that I use, I guess. One thing I've also done that tried to, to at least try to distinguish my sound was like using the SP404 and samples like that. They have their built-in effects and stutters and stuff that they can do. I tried to go into Logic, the DAW that I use, and map out certain things that imitate that, but giving my own spin on it, I guess, in a way, if that makes any sense. Like, for instance, I use, for the stutter effect that the 404 uses, I open up a delay plugin and, I guess, mess with the settings so that it will match like a quarter repeat, like a bar repeat, I guess, or a triplet, you know, something like that, which is something that the other samplers that, you know, every producer uses they can do but you know of course being not as less financially i try to find ways to do things that you know aren't given to me just try to find certain little circles away thing hmm. can you build upon it seems like the bridge between lo-fi and other genre bending is chord structure but i feel like funk is the same way the way you're describing lo-fi you could argue that yeah i can turn on the radio and hear Adele or Bruno Mars and be able to relate to their lyrics, but you're doing it without lyrics. And you think that the human element that differentiates between what you do and a vocalist, but the DNA of funk is literally everywhere. Winehouse, Bruno Mars, every rap record ever. And yet 1% of music fans Mm -hmm. would list funk as a preferred genre, not just something that people go out and seek. Yeah, most definitely. You actually hit the nail on the head with that. I always tell people like, one reason why I want to do music or instrumental music is because I want people to relate to those experiences. Like instead of just hearing, you know, you turn on the radio and you hear Adele and everybody can say they, they relate to that. Like those are words that, you know, heartbreak, stuff like that. We all deal with that, but hearing 
musical ideas that resonate with you, that's completely different, I think. And I feel like lo-fi is doing better now. You know, you go to restaurants, other places, and you hear it in the background and everything. And I think producers are starting to get picked up by radios. Like their songs are starting to get chosen. Film, my roommate actually just graduated with a film degree. And her and several of her friends, her film friends, would hit me up to do like songs for their pilots and stuff like that. I think it's like slowly doing better, I guess, in a way. And I still knew this genre, and I'm sure it was, I don't know much. I mean, it could be doing very, very good right now compared to what it used to be and everything. Yeah. And I mean, it, it seems like you're getting in on the, on the bottom floor pretty early. And that's, that's why I kind of brought up this whole topic on signature sound, because when you eat a delicious meal in a restaurant, you don't have to say that is unlike every other meal I've ever tasted to enjoy it and come back for more. If I go to Chili's, I'm going to Chili's or Applebee's. I know what I'm getting. However, if you do find yourself in a restaurant that does one thing better than anywhere else, you definitely won't forget it. And you'll probably tell your friends about it. And when you have a signature sound, and people are digging it, they'll end up craving more music from you. And only you, because they know it's the only place that they'll get that exact sound. And I really wish people in Arkansas, the promoters, the creatives, they got that, because I got it. And what you, I know you said earlier, I send out so many messages to people, whether they hit me back late or it's frustrating. I made it a point to send you more messages than you sent me, because I needed to let you know that I loved your music and I, and I wanted your time. So I'm, I'm glad you agreed to it. I'm glad we were able to sit down and I'm also glad to share more of your music with a broader audience. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Like that's all it's, it's about just people hearing it. That's all I really care for. Like blowing up, you know, that's cool. Like if it happens, but for people to say like, they like my ideas, that's all that really matters. Yeah. Boom, man. Well, um, Cord and jocks, your single is going to come out September 27th. I think you have an EP in October. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you the floor so people, so I don't miss anything. I know you have a, a EP that people can stream right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go streaming Luxuria. It's on everything, Spotify, Apple music, YouTube, like every streaming pr- platform. I'll have a single coming out with Urban Undergrounds on September 27th titled Frustration. Made that track one morning when things were not going right. And I guess the title says that. Pretty heavy hitting. Very excited to share it. And then that EP's coming after that October sometime around there with Urban Undergrounds also. Keep it all on the lookout for just me dropping singles. I'm dropping one with Spencer Bach. He's out of Illinois. He's another really good lo-fi producer. That one's coming really, really soon. Might do, I was talking to Macy, my girlfriend just now, might be doing the Halloween tape, you know, sampling some eerie stuff or whatever, messing with some weird vocal effects. Just keep on the lookout, trying to do videos. Just, just keep up with me. Also, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, everything. It's Corden Jocks, C-H-O-R-D-A-N-D-J-O-C-K-S. Just my name spelled backwards. Here's my hope for you. You get a bachelor's in PR and you never use it. I hope your music uh, career blows up and uh, you get everything good that's coming to you, man. I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Likewise, man. Thanks so much. <laughs>